The Atlanta Braves suffer an ugly defeat to the New York Mets on Wednesday afternoon and drop that series to their division rivals. We'll cover that game and talk about what it could mean going forward in the NL East. And we'll continue our MLB draft coverage looking at the top college bats that the Braves could be targeting with their first five picks. All that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves, where you can be part of the conversation. Send any questions, comments, feedback that you may have. For the podcast, got some off days coming up next week for the All-Star break, so going to need a lot of great questions, do a couple of mailbag episodes during that time. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Hit that thumbs up button, hit that notification bell as well. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We continue to post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, we're going to recap Wednesday's ugly loss to the New York Mets, kind of break down that series as a whole and what it looks like for those two teams going forward and how the Braves can get better and make sure that they come back and take this division. We're going to continue our MLB draft coverage. Today, we're going to look at the top college bats that the Braves could be targeting this weekend as the MLB draft starts, and then we'll set you up for Thursday's game as the Braves begin a four-game series against the Washington Nationals to finish off the first half of the season. Well, let's get into Wednesday's game. The Braves lose 7-3 to the New York Mets, the least competitive game by far in this series. And, you know, just an ugly game overall for the Atlanta Braves. A game I thought they had a really good chance to win. I know Chris Bassett's a good pitcher, but Charlie Morton's been on a roll lately and just did not have it in this one. Looked good at the beginning, then kind of struggled in the middle, uh, kind of, found back came back a little bit later on but then lost it again uh wasn't able, able to get an out in the sixth inning so just an ugly loss overall honestly it was an ugly series and just being real for a minute if not for a couple of big swings in Tuesday's game this could have been a really bad series for the Atlanta Braves the Mets absolutely won this series they outplayed the Braves in just about every facet of the game and look that's the bad um but it is one series and again it's a series where the Braves honestly were fortunate to win one game with the way that they played does that mean I think the Mets are the better team Uh, no I, I don't I still think the Braves are the better team I think this was a bad series for them but overall throughout the course of the season I still think the Braves will be the better team and Look, despite the way they looked in that series, despite losing that series, they're still just two and a half games back in the NL East. And again, you have to go back to the beginning of June and early June where they were 10 and a half games back in the division. And they've made up that many games. Yes, this was an opportunity for the Braves to kind of reassert their dominance in the division and let the Mets know 
you know, they're in for a fight. I think they know that regardless. And I kind of said that at the beginning of this series that this division won't be decided in that series. Now, there's, a, again, a lot of momentum, perhaps, that you could take from this if the Braves went out and swept them, which is what they would have had to do to take the division lead anyway. Then I think, you know, that could put, you know, a little bit of motivation in themselves, kind of fire them up going forward. And I think it could set the Mets back a little bit. But there's just so much baseball left to be played still and so many more matchups between these two teams that look we're fans we're going to get over emotional about the micro uh in a season and that's what we should do as fans that's what it makes being a fan so great but we can't well, we can't get overreact we can't overreact to one series in the in early july before the all-star break so again just this this series in general, it was a bad series for the Braves. They did not play well. Mets did a great job of working the Braves' starting pitching, getting them out of the inning. A Braves starter did not record a out in the sixth inning in this entire series. That is just crazy, especially with the way the Braves' pitching staff has been for them to not record out in the sixth inning of the series. Uh, that's, you know again, a lot of credit to the Mets' hitters and the way that they are just patient at the plate. Foul tough pitches off, put the balls in play. You know, it's an annoying lineup to get through. And honestly, they're missing some key pieces. Didn't have Starling Marte, didn't have Jeff McNeil. Obviously, DeGrom's not in the lineup yet. So, again, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Mets. If there were some Braves fans out there who were still on the fence of whether or not this Mets team is good or not, you know, I've been telling you all year, you know, Grant McCauley on the postcast with me has been telling you as well, this is a good Mets team. It's not a Mets team that's just going to collapse. This is going to be a battle all season long in the NL East. I still think it's a battle the Braves can win and are good enough to win. But in this particular series, the Mets were the better team, and they certainly played like it. Getting in more to the game on Wednesday and really just what we've seen overall for the past, I think, week plus, and I mentioned it coming into this series, offense is struggling a bit right now, and it was really evident you know, in this series, again, a lot of credit to the Mets starters. Max Scherzer was good. You know, Peterson, um, Bassett, they were all good. But still, the Braves offense just is not clicking right now. And they have now scored four runs or less in nine of their last 12 games. And this is for an offense that since June 1st has been o averaging over five runs a game. But over their last 12, they've scored four or less in nine of those games. That's not what you expect from this offense, from this lineup. I mean, you look at this starting lineup, and just about everybody has an, an OPS of 800 or more. This is a dangerous lineup top to bottom. But again, for the last week, almost two weeks now, really just kind of been struggling outside of they had a couple of big innings again in that St. Louis series in two of those games, and then they had a 12-run outburst against the Nationals. Outside of that, again, over the last 12 games, really just kind of been mediocre. And a big problem with that, something I mention a lot when this offense isn't clicking, is they fail to score without a home run. And every run they scored in this Mets series came via the home run. And that's always my big concern with this Braves offense. Look, they have guys up and down that are 20, 30 home run a year type hitters. But what happens when the home runs aren't coming? You saw a couple of balls in uh, Monday's game just die at the track. You know, one Dansby had two balls in this game that I thought were gone off the bat. You know, what happens when those balls 
aren't leaving the stadium. They're not getting that two or three run homer. Can they manufacture runs in other ways? And that to me was the biggest difference in this series is they couldn't, if it wasn't a home run, they weren't able to score in this series. They couldn't come up with that big clutch hit with runners in scoring position. And, you know, that's when this offense starts to struggle. You know, it's when they're able to do both. They're able to get the big hit with runners in scoring position. And it's when they're able to hit the home runs. We know the home runs are going to come again. This lineup is so deadly top to bottom with everyone that can go deep. They're going to get their home runs, but are they going to be able to also manufacture runs and score in different ways? And that's something you hear me talk about throughout the entire season is, you know, when they're able to score in different ways, that's when you really see this offense put up a six, seven, eight spot in a game, but they just weren't able to do that in this Mets series. Um, briefly, Charlie Morton, again, all three starters for the Braves in this series struggled, struggled with command, struggled with high pitch counts. Again, you think you have to give a lot of credit to the Mets hitters and the way that they attack. For Max and Strider, it doesn't necessarily mean a lot of runs. It just meant that they got they got pulled earlier than you would hope, only to get through five and then four and two-thirds innings. You know, Morton gave up the big three-run homer. That was the big blow there and then gave up some more runs in that sixth inning. But, you know, he was okay through five innings. Again, that big blow was the three-run homer to Lindor. So, again, despite the Braves starters having to really kind of battle, you know, through five innings, not didn't necessarily think they were lit up, again, except for the three-run homer to Charlie Morton. But, again, not what you expect from our these Braves starters. You expect them to be able to get through at least six innings each time they go out. 11 walks from the starters in this series. Again, pointing to the fact that the Mets hitters were just patient. Also, the Braves pitchers just struggling with control for whatever reason in this series. Um, so, again, just, you know, a lot of a lot of things that went wrong for the Braves in this series. But as far as Wednesday, I did want to mention a couple of positives. Acuna had some really good at-bats. You go back to his last at-bat on Tuesday and then carrying over into Wednesday's game. His first three at-bats Wednesday were some of the best at-bats I've seen from him in a while. You know, he ripped a ball to right center for a single, took a walk, his second at-bat, and then laced the ball to right field. His third at-bat just went right to the right fielder. So hopefully there's some progression there for Acuna. Eddie Rosario with a three-hit game, including a monster home run. Would love to see him get going. Kenley Jansen back. He had a clean inning. That's certainly great for the bullpen. Put some other pieces, you know, in their, their roles where they fit better. And then Riley and Olsen, you know, continuing their power surge as well. Again, you know, there are some positives. There are some things to take out of this. It's just the, the biggest things for me in this series and when they play the Mets again, starters have to be more efficient in the strike zone. They can't be nibbling, make the Mets hitters, put the ball in play. Um, and make sure that you're going deep in the game. And for the offense, you know, just finding those big hits, being able to score in a variety of ways. I mean, they hit the home runs in this series, but just weren't able to score enough in different ways to make a difference and win this series and couldn't come up with that big clutch hit. So, again, a rough series, but they'll have 12 more chances against the Mets. So uh, there is still a lot to be told with the rest of this NLE story the rest of the way. And I think it will be a fight. And if you learn anything from this series, know this, the Mets are good and it's going to be a battle throughout the rest of the season, but the Braves are more than good enough to take them down and win this series. All right, next we're going to shift gears and talk about the MLB draft and some college hitters who could help the Braves pretty soon uh, that they could be targeting with their first five picks. 
Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Blue Nile is committed to ensuring that the highest ethical standards are observed when sourcing diamonds and jewelry. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Then Blue, Blue Nile's bench jewelers will handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown Braves listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement pieces. Just use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. This weekend, the MLB draft gets underway starting Sunday. The Braves have uh, five picks in the top 100, including picks number 20 and 35 with their recent trade. On Tuesday, we looked at some high school players they could be targeting. On Wednesday, we looked at some college arms they could be targeting. So today, we're going to look at some college bats that the Braves could be targeting with their first five picks. Now, full disclosure, I cover college baseball, but I mainly cover the Southeast. So I'm probably going to talk more about the batters that are hitters that I'm familiar with. So anybody on this board that I don't talk about, feel free to comment in the comment section. Let me know which college hitters you think they should be targeting. But I'm going to talk about some of the top ones out there and then give you some of the ones that that I like as well that I saw uh, when I was covering college baseball this past season. Again, kind of like yesterday, I want to mention some that I think will be off the board by the time the Braves get a chance to pick. Kevin Parada, the catcher out of Georgia Tech, unfortunately would be cool to get somebody from their own backyard, but I don't think he makes it to the Braves. Brooks Lee's shortstop out of Cal Poly, and Cam Collier, third baseman from the JUCO level. A couple more guys that are possible they could fall to 20, but not likely. It's Gavin Cross, the outfielder from Virginia Tech. Jacob Berry, uh, third baseman, outfielder from LSU. Jace Young, second baseman from Texas Tech. And Daniel Susak, the catcher at Arizona. A chance that maybe one of them drops to 20, um, but again, not likely. If one of them does, I think they'd be either any of them would be a great selection. You know, Susak would probably, you know, help refill the catcher prospect position at the minor league level where the Braves are a little bit depleted now. Um, you know, Gavin Cross would be a great outfield corner outfield bat uh, which the Braves are going to need here in a couple of years uh, really could need now but um, certainly with Harris and Acuna salt solidified in the outfield they could be looking for another uh, outfielder in the future uh, Jacob Berry one of the best college bats out there uh, Jace Young you know great hitter but as you're going to see when I talk about some of these players I really hesitate to draft second baseman only uh, so early in the draft um, but we're gonna we'll talk about that as we go on. Uh, but looking at some of the targets that could be available for the Braves, and just really going down based off it will be pipelines rankings. Uh, Zach Nito, shortstop from Campbell, a very good hit tool with average tools across the board, and average defender at shortstop has the arm for third base, right-handed hitter. Uh, Jace Delauder or Chase Delauder, outfielder from James Madison. 
Corner outfielder, big power, and a big arm as well. Broke his foot in April. Could be a middle-of-the-order type of hitter, left-headed hitter as well. Again, when you're drafting players, you don't know. It could be two, three, four years before they reach the big league level. But as I've mentioned several times, the Braves could use some more left-handed bats. So I think Chase DeLauder would be a solid pick if he makes it to the Braves at 20. Uh, Dylan Beavers, outfielder from Cal. Five-tool potential uh, with plus power. And anytime you have somebody you know, who has five-tool potential, that's got to uh, raise your eyebrows a little bit. Has some questions with the timing of his swing at the next level. Also a left-handed hitter. And Jordan Beck, outfielder from Tennessee. Big power, big arm, plus defender in right field or one of the corner outfield spots, a right-handed hitter. Uh, comes with a lot of flash. Again, a lot of power. I like Jordan Beck. Got to watch him, watch him a lot in the SEC. Somebody else I, I like a lot is Peyton Graham, shortstop out of Oklahoma. Versatile defender, can kind of play all over. You know, I hesitate to put the utility um, label on him. I think he could be an everyday player. Hit 20 homers, stole 30 bases this last season. Um, that doesn't get done a lot at the college level for those who don't watch the college game. Uh, right-handed hitter, I was really impressed with what I saw from Peyton Graham this year. Would not be upset at all if the Braves decide to select him. Sterling Thompson, outfielder from Florida, and getting a lot of hype leading up to the draft. Corner outfielder, plus hit tool, uh, power potential, left-handed hitter. Got on a real power surge to end the season. Again, he's starting to get a lot of helium here as we get closer to the draft. Caden Wallace, third baseman from Arkansas. Likely a right fielder, has a plus-plus arm, uh, has some of the best raw power in the draft. So looking for a corner outfielder, power, that's really what you want. I think Caden Wallace could deliver that. Again, has some experience at third base as well. Uh, Drew Gilbert, I really like Drew Gilbert. He plays with a lot of fire and energy. Quick, can stay in center field, has a plus arm. Great hand, hand-eye coordination. I think he's a guy that could be a, a 2020 type player. Somebody you could potentially put in a leadoff spot as well. Uh, left-handed hitter. So I really like Drew Gilbert. I think he'd be a solid pick. Probably more so with that 35th pick than the 20th pick. Brock Jones, outfielder from Stanford. This guy with a potential 1-1 pick coming into the year. Kind of struggled out of the gate. Raised some questions about his swing and how it adjusts to the big league level. But, again, this is somebody with five-tool potential across the board. You know, He's somebody that the Braves wanted to take him at 20. I would not be mad at that at all. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite picks at 20 from these list of college bats we're going to be talking about. So I really like Brock Jones, again, left-handed hitter, big power, great speed. Again, just really good above-average tools across the board. Uh, Jacob Melton, outfielder from Oregon State, average hit tools, uh, plus runner and arm, left-handed hitter. Um, Logan Tanner, catcher out of Mississippi State, best arm of any catcher in this draft, a potential 20-home run bat. You're looking at a guy who's a great leader as well, led Mississippi State to a College World Series title in 2021. I really like Logan Tanner. If you can get him at the back half, you know, with one of those picks uh, in the top, later part of the top 100, again, to try to kind of restock the catcher position in the system. I really do like Logan Tanner a lot. I think he's somebody might be just a backup catcher uh, when he gets to the big league level. But again, a great arm, good defender, calls a good game behind the plate. And again, I think if you are playing, you know, they're taking the majority of starts at catcher. I think he could hit 20 home runs in a year. I don't think he'll hit more than 240, 250, but 
I think you can take that out of your catcher position. So I do really like Logan Tanner again with one of those later picks. Spencer Jones, outfielder from Vandy, uh, average to above average tools across the board. Didn't play a lot in college until this year because of injuries, but could be a steal uh, if you get him at 20, 35. Uh, probably not at 20, but more likely 35 or one of the later picks. Corner outfielder or first base, left-handed hitter. Uh, so really good hitter in Spencer Jones. Judd Fabian, outfielder from Florida. This is another guy. He was supposed to be a 1-1 a pick in last year's draft, or at least top five, but his strikeout numbers uh, are really scary at the college level. But this is the guy, if the hit tool ever comes around, he has all the other tools. All the other tools are plus-plus. He is probably the best defensive player in this draft, especially in the outfield, has a great arm, can hit for power. Uh, we're talking a 20, 30 home run hitter, but the strikeouts. And, you know, you're already striking out a lot at the college level. It usually doesn't bode well for how that translates at the professional level. But Judd Fabian's a guy, again, if you can take – you know, in the 50s, 60th uh, overall pick, you know, he's somebody that could potentially be a five-tool player and could really be a steal. So somebody to keep an eye on. Cade Dottie, second baseman for LSU. Average tools across the board. Kind of got at, overshadowed a little bit because of Jacob Berry, but I thought he was one of the best hitters in the SEC. Really quick hands, great bat-to-ball skills, right-handed hitter. Again, don't necessarily love taking second baseman, especially the Braves have. Aussie Albies locked up for quite a while, but really like Kate uh, Kate Doty here. Tanner Scoble, uh, shortstop at Virginia Tech, solid hit tool, not much power yet. Utility type player, uh, plays above his attributes. And uh, and I play a lot of MLB the Show, and you hear people say that all the time. You know, you have your set attributes in MLB the Show, but there's just some players that play above that. I feel like that's the taste uh, the the case here with Tanner. You know, he's doesn't have the most athletic looking frame, but I just think he's one of those players. He knows how to get it done. Uh, and I like those types of guys. Again, could be a utility bench bat. Uh, and maybe you don't want to take that with one of your top 100 picks, but really do like him. Uh, next three guys I'm really high on um, that I think could be really solid picks. Again, at the back half of the top 100. Dominic Keegan, first baseman DH from Bandy. Big power, can hit for average, can play catcher, first base, and left field, but probably settles into a DH role as a right-handed hitter. Uh, I really like Dominic, Ke Dominic Keegan's bat. Same for Ivan Melendez out of Texas. Uh, I think he's definitely a DH at the next level. This is where it becomes really interesting for the Braves and all National League teams where you know the DH is a thing now and you can draft for that. And I think Ivan Melendez fits that role. You know, not somebody, you know, the only reason he's so far down on this list, again, a Golden Spikes Awards winner this past year, only reason he's so far down is the fact that he pretty much is a, a DH only player. So again, that you know is obviously something that National League teams will covet now. And I think Ivan Melendez would be a great pick, you know, with that 97th overall pick. And then Robert Moore, second baseman from Arkansas, Dustin Pedroia type mold. I just personally love Robert Moore. He had a down year in 2022. Otherwise, he probably would have been a first uh, round pick, but had 16 home runs and a 942 OPS in 2021. He's a great defender at second base. I'm talking gold glove potential at second base. So really like Robert Moore as well. But those are some of the college bats that, you know, I I think the Braves could be targeting. And I mentioned some of the ones that I like the most. I'll do a follow-up article on TomahawkTake.com talking about the bats that I think they should be 
looking at. But let me know in the comments if there's any other college bats that you like that you would like to see the Braves be looking at or take in the upcoming draft. Tomorrow, we will look at the mock drafts, the latest mock drafts, and see who they have the Braves taking uh, and just kind of wrap up our coverage before the draft begins on Sunday. All right, but next we're going to take a look at Thursday's game as the Braves begin a four-game series in Washington against the Nationals, looking to end the first half of the season on a high note. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information. That includes live betting, esports, and and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Starting on Thursday will be Kyle Wright going up against old friend Anibal Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez making his 2022 debut. Did not pitch at all last year. Uh, had 50, uh, pitched 15 and two-thirds innings at the minor league level this year. Had a 402 ERA, 134 whip, 15 strikeouts, and eight walks. Uh, Nationals surely trying to showcase him, see what kind of value he has, and perhaps flip him before the trade deadline. So Braves need to get after him. I'm sure he won't be long in this game, making his debut uh, of the 2022 season, but he is a veteran pitcher, uh, one the Braves should be very familiar with. So hopefully they can get after him and the offense can get going. For Kyle Wright, the Braves just in general could use a good start. Again, none of their starters went more than five innings in that Mets series. So hopefully Wright can give them at least six solid innings. His last outing was against Washington and he went seven innings, did give up eight hits and two walks, but just three earned allowed in five strikeouts. So we'll like to see a really good start out of Kyle Wright on Thursday. Would love to see the offense get going again. I think they're on, you know, in the midst of pretty much a two week stretch here now where the offense has just kind of been dwindling a little bit, not able to consistently put up more than, three or four runs a game. I think this is a great opportunity to do this, not only in this game, but in this series against a struggling Nationals team who just lost a doubleheader to the Mariners on Wednesday. Something I also wanted to mention, like this is an excuse. Every team is tired right now, but the Braves are on the end of a 22-game stretch to end the first half of the season without an off day. You got to be thinking those players are ready to get to that all-star break I don't know that that has anything to do with the sluggish offense lately, but something, you know, I think worth considering. Um, much need a break coming up for all these guys, though, who, again, really had to battle just to get themselves back into a position where they are right now, where they have a shot in the NL East. They're in a playoff spot with a wild card spot. Um, so a lot of work went into that. I think they're looking forward to this break coming up. But let's end the first half on a good note with a series win, possibly a sweep again, again, over a struggling team in the Washington nationals, hopefully is an opportunity for them to end this first half on a high note, but that will do it for this episode. Thanks for making lockdown Braves. Your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Again, talking about Thursday's game against the nationals and looking at the mock drafts out there as we begin our uh, MLB draft preparation. Now go make MLB pro- Locked On MLB Prospects your next, next listen. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow and also setting you up 
for the MLB Draft. The podcast like this one is free wherever you get your podcast. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 